0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Sunday to you it's uh, an honor and a joy to get to be here with you this morning pastor Nathan um, is away he will be back next week um, but he's away with family and we're so thankful that he gets this time away and as I said earlier I'm sure he's still working um, but he has some time away with family and we're glad uh, to be able to honor him with that and I'm um, honored to be here with you today um, I was sharing before that I um, was in Israel a few weeks ago and I was working 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 on this sermon, God just uh, gave me a word, and I felt so strongly that he gave me this word. And then I started backtracking and questioning myself, and I was like, maybe it's too harsh. And my friend that was there with me, she said, Heather, I've never known you to preach a watered-down gospel. God gave you that word. Preach it. So fast forward to two weeks ago um, here, one of our uh, board members, Abby. Where is she? Abby? Where's Waldo? There she is. She's in the back. (laughs) Uh, She said, what's your sermon title? And I said, it's Level Up. And she said, "Oh, you're gonna have like a moving Mario graphic," and I was like, "No, I didn't didn't think about that. <laughs> I didn't even know. Apparently, it's like one of the biggest movies out." Um, and so I said, uh, "No, I didn't think about that." And she said, "Oh, you should do that." And I said, "I don't think I know how to." And she said, "Well." I'm sure Hannah can figure it out ask Hannah she'll do it for you and so I enlisted Hannah and Hannah show us what you got there we go level up Um, it's Abby's birthday this week so I thought let's give her the moving Mario graphic for this morning so a couple weeks ago on that same Sunday pastor Nathan preached a very similar topic different gospel and I said to Abby after I said. Man, maybe I'm not supposed to preach. I'm thinking in my head, maybe he just kind of preached the same thing. Maybe I'll tweak. But she said, maybe it's a word for our church. And so here we are today. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, if you have them with you, uh, to Luke chapter 14. Uh, we're going to begin reading in tw- verse 25, and then we'll pray. The words are, the verses are going to be up on the screen for you as well. Um, we'll start in verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we come before you today, God. We 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 want to hear, uh, this is all about you, God, and not about us. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask that you do that work in us today. Holy Spirit, come. In your name we pray, amen. Whew. Okay, so if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, that's pretty harsh, right? Uh, but I think Jesus, uh, in order to get our attention, he often uses some pretty harsh examples in the Bible. And it's like, Is Jesus really asking me to hate my family? No, no. He is not asking you to hate your family in terms of what we know the word hate to mean, and he isn't minimizing our love or our bond for family or what that should look like. We love them no matter what. But I heard a pastor share that nine out of 10 believers when they receive the pressure to back off on their devotion to Christ, it comes from family. It can come in many different forms. It can come in unbelief. It can come in uh, different beliefs of faith. It can come in uh, jealousy, control. Uh, The list goes on and on, right? But listen, he isn't asking you to leave your family. I mean, definitely not your spouse if you're married, right, or your children. But if you have family maybe it's parents aunts uncles cousins maybe some of you have an uncle Eddie in here Uh, what I believe the message he is trying to get across is that if they are in any way a hindrance getting in the way of you following me you keep moving forward you keep your eyes fixed on me sometimes we can get so caught up in pleasing other people that we forget that he is supposed to have all authority in our lives and Jesus is like, there's going to be conflict with that. This is an important point that Jesus is making, and he's using extreme language like he has before. You remember when he talked about how, you know, if your, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, to cut it off. Jesus isn't asking us to cut off limbs and dismember our bodies. Sin doesn't even begin with those things anyway. We know that sin begins in the heart. I believe what he's really trying to see, say here is that our obedience and our devotion to him is so important that it could even appear as hatred to others. He's saying that our, our our love for him should trump our love for anyone and anything else. So even when we compare our love for self, it needs to be way lower than our love for Jesus. And instead of living a self centered life where my needs always come first, uh, because we know selfishness comes naturally, it's in our sinful nature, but a Christ centered life comes through the power of the Spirit. So let me make something clear here we are all disciples. We are all disciples and, and, and uh, Jesus is teaching that disciples must abandon relationships and desires. I read this quote in a commentary that said, hate does not mean we are to have an emotional hate toward our family, but that we love them less than Jesus. Following Jesus is our first love and it should take priority over anything and anyone else, even one's self. One use for the Hebrew word for hate is found in Deuteronomy 21, and it's really about preference or allegiance. And this goes along with what is in uh, both Luke and Matthew. So listen, Jesus isn't, he doesn't want his disciples to hate their families, but he's calling us to undivided loyalty to him above any other loyalty we have in relationships. This most likely can feel a little bit overwhelming to you. It is to me too. And you might be thinking, I don't think I can do this right? But the Apostle Paul dealt with this issue, and, and this isn't just a call to pastors and teachers. This is a call to all of us as disciples, and he gave some powerful verses uh, to us in Second Corinthians 12. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I've come to the realization that when I'm weak, that's when that real power kicks in and becomes begins to start to take over because you see I can't do this by myself. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough. I'm definitely not spiritual enough, and if I'm going to depend on myself, I will never, ever get there. You know that saying uh, that's made its way all over social media about you are enough. Let me tell you, friends, we are nothing without Jesus. Nothing. Jesus says, Abandon all you have. It doesn't matter if you're standing against the opposition of family or self or friends or coworkers or neighbors. He says anyone who is standing in the way of you being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's funny how so many Christian public speakers and and pastors, they want to draw a big crowd, right? And here, Jesus, he's pushing them away. He's like, you want to be my disciple? you want to follow me he says love me more then the crowd starts to thin out a little bit it's kind of like Christians that come to church that just want to hear that you know feel good name it and claim it prosperity gospel let me tell you friends we cannot name and claim anything that is out of God's will for us he has to have all power power and authority in your life even when the chips are down even when we feel defeated We know that we have already made the decision to become his disciple, and we stand in the comfort and the assurance that you are God, and you are truth, and I'm going to choose to trust you, or I don't, and today, even in the hard, I choose to trust you. When Jesus made these uh, statements, I'm sure that people thought that he was on his way to Jerusalem, and to rally a group of people around him to come against uh, the Roman government and kick them out of the country and establish his own throne. Like, won't that be fun? Let's follow Jesus. They had no idea that he was going to Jerusalem to die. I often wonder if they had, would they have turned around right then and there? Most of his closest disciples had no idea that it would cost them their life to have their connection to Jesus. But this Messiah, oh, this Messiah, he was like the guy coming in to start the big party, yay, let's follow Jesus, it's gonna be so great. And he's like, let me tell you, so that you fully understand what it's like to be a follower. So you understand the gravity of what that really means. In verse 33, he says, so therefore any one of you who doesn't renounce all he has can't be my disciple. He's like, be ready. Be ready for for every support structure you have to be kicked out and moved underneath you so that you can fully rely on him and only him. Be ready to lose everything and anything you have with no thought of ever getting it back. Are you ready To give all and pick up your cross and follow him. This saying, uh, pick up your cross and follow him, it emphasizes the same point about loyalty. Discipleship is defined by following Jesus and carrying the cross. This phrase indicates that giving up self-interest and competing loyalties are central and vital to discipleship. I love this quote, and I don't remember if I read it or I heard it. I can't remember who said it, but it wasn't me, so the author is unknown today. But it says, the entrance fee to heaven is like nothing, but the annual subscription is everything. Who, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There will be some unwilling to hear the cost, and for those unwilling, they'll only hear what they want to hear salvation is free friends but discipleship it's expensive so what's our response to these uh, incredible demands number one we make a decision to reconcile yourself to God and to follow God there is a cost and there is a loss and we say we're going to follow you God at any cost and at any loss number two get rid of what's weighing you down this can come in the form of what I like to call spiritual parasites. And this can be very hard to recognize and follow through with. Often we find God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Uh, and he will move this pruning process along and rid us of what's blocking us from true discipleship Today, in a couple. One of them is the spirit of jealousy. James three sixteen says wherever there is jealousy and self ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil that's powerful it will suck the life out of you another one is the spirit of Jezebel Jezebel she was the queen of Israel and she was defiant she caused strife but she was the queen of Israel this can be a form of manipulation or someone who longs to be in control and ultimately bring their will and their assignment over Jesus's plan for your life a man can operate in this spirit too. Identify it and give it no room in your life. We can still love people really well, but sometimes we have to love from a distance. They just don't have to be your inner circle. There will be times when these spirits will arise and you will be judged and you will be mocked, yes, even by believers. And you're, you're, you're probably gonna think like, God, I didn't know that this is what it would be like. I didn't know it would be this hard. I, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough for this. It's getting a little bit uncomfortable here. Let me tell you, if you have not been uncomfortable in your walk as a disciple, it is time to level up. Oftentimes it could cause you cost you your relationships. It could be friends, and it could be family. Sometimes it takes experiencing this to fully understand what Luke 14 means when Jesus is asking, who will level up? Number three, we follow him with a reckless abandon. Yes, there's going to be hard times when we follow Jesus, but guess what? There's going to be hard times when we don't follow Jesus too. there's going to be times that are hard and we have to stand on his truth and we have to take a stand and we have to speak a life giving gospel over all those who are still in the dark and all those who believe I firmly believe. And I've said this many times that all of us are called to ministry. Yes, it's going to look a little bit different in each of our lives, but we are all called. Who is ready today to say, I'm going to answer and fulfill the call in my family, in my friendships, in in my workplace, at the grocery store, at a restaurant, my doctor's office, in all of my relationships. You represent Jesus wherever you go and we do so by walking out truth in love and kindness. Or as I like to say, we represent Jesus the way that he deserves to be represented. You can trust that God will give you a peace. He will will give you a ridiculous peace that makes no sense. That kind of peace like Jesus had to be able to sleep in the ship in the middle of the storm. Uh, That that kind of peace that that you're like, I shouldn't have peace. I should have anxiety and fear and worry and, and panic and be freaking out. But faith is believing in advance even when it doesn't make sense to us here in the natural. God's got your back. He, he keeps nothing good from his children. He answers every prayer in the way that he sees fit. He has overcome the world. And yes, it's gonna come with hardship. All of life comes with hardship, but you better believe I'm thankful that the God of the universe is working on our behalf. He's in the middle, he's already in the result, and he has you in the palm of his hand. Who, doesn't, who wants to go to, through hardship without that? Maybe you're here today, and you're like Peter, who claimed he would never deny Jesus, and yet he does it three times, three times. I think that we can all relate to Peter a little bit more than we realize We don't have time to go into the entire story today, but in Luke 5, 8, Simon Peter, he's a fisherman. And and it says he falls to his knees and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is significant because it's the first time he encounters Jesus Christ personally. And he's like, I'm so ashamed of who I am and the life that I've lived. And in verse 10 and 11, 11, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. So Jesus is like, it's okay. From now on, you follow me. This is also significant because it's the first time that this phrase is used. Uh, it's, It's specifically in Matthew 4, but it's the same setting, different writer. It says, Jesus said, follow me. And the Bible tells us that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They didn't sit there and contemplate like I'm sure you and I have or think about it. It says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Fast forward three years in Matthew 26, 31, Jesus says to all of them now, you'll be made to stumble. And in verse 33, Peter says, I will never. He specifically says, I will not deny you. How many of us have told the Lord in a, in a weak area of our life, I will never do it or I'll never do it again. And we do it again and again. And again, in verse 70, a servant girl came up to him and was like, aren't you with Jesus? And he denied Jesus before all of them saying, I do not know what you are talking about. In the same night, in the same area that he said he wouldn't do it. Verse 71, when he went out to the gateway, another girl asked him, and then he denied with an oath. This is like us going to court and swearing on a Bible. He denied it with an oath. Verse 74, those who stood by came up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. And then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know that man. It got progressively worse here. So he denies him, then he denies him with an oath, and now he's cursing and swearing saying, I don't even know who this guy is. Goes on to say that he went out and he wept bitterly. He felt the weight. How many of us have felt the weight of our sin? I think so many of us start out so eagerly following Jesus where you loved the Lord and you wanted to follow him with this reckless abandon. You see with Peter, something happened through the years because now he's following from a distance. He used to be close and this is a big deal because he started out following him in Luke chapter five and then something happened. He forsook everything. He was like the main thing in his life, but the years wore away. And now the Bible says he still follows him. He still loves him, but it's from a distance. There's a lot of people that will come to Graceland Church that that follow Jesus and they love him and maybe they decided to follow him as a child or in their 20s or their 30s, but the years have brought some distance and they're following him from a distance now. Things you may have said you would never do that you've done again and again and again, but you still love him. You still love him. You still in your heart want to follow him. I believe he wants you to know today that he is not angry with you. He's not mad at you. That he loves you. And that he misses you. But it's time to level up. Peter says, I'm going back to fishing He's basically saying, like, I'm going back to who I used to be because there's no coming back from this now. How many of us have done that before? There's no shame if you've dropped the ball, if you've drifted from who God called you to be. If you aren't following Jesus like you used to, here's a chance today to recommit your life. He's giving you another shot to level up and to follow him with everything that you've got. We can't be lukewarm. We can't be these mediocre Christians that just, that just blend in. I mean, we can. But, but I believe God is calling us to level up, to stand up, to be a people who are known for our love and not our attacks. First Corinthians says, if we don't have love, we are nothing. Nothing. That's a powerful statement. I've spent some time in Israel this past year, and one of the things I noticed is that they love well. You know, what, what we see here on the news is the radicals, right? We don't see how they live everyday life. The Arabs, the, the Jews, the Christians, they love well. I believe the world is watching us, not just how we love others, but how we love each other. So many people follow him from a distance and they get in this cycle and it's, it's not too late to become a true disciple of Jesus today. In John 21, Jesus said, follow me. I know you're at a distance, but it's time to recommit and follow me. Listen, you may have messed up, but I want you to know today that that same voice that denied Jesus three times is the same voice he used on the day of Pentecost to birth the church. It's the same voice that that, that said to the lame man, rise up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and he stood up and he ran. It's the same voice in Acts 5 that, that laid the sick people out on the streets in hopes that your shadow would heal the sick and that they would be healed. You may, not, you, you may not have denied Jesus with your words, but I'm pretty sure all of us are guilty of denying him with our actions. I know I have. Maybe you're like, I, I know I've drifted, and I know I'm distant, but I also know I love you, Lord. I believe wherever you're at today, Jesus is saying, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're at right now, follow me. Follow me. This is a moment you can respond and take up your cross. He said, follow me. He has a plan for your life. He knows what you're going through. You are the apple of his eye and his eye is on you. Stay the course, friends. God is calling us higher. I believe God is calling us as a family in this house to do better and to be better. I believe he wants you to know today that you are the head and not the tail. That you're going to go through hard times and you're going to go through hard circumstances in all your relationships, but he says, love me more. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added to you. Glory is waiting, glory is waiting, and the reward is so great and it's so worth it. I'm gonna ask James to come back up and, and our prayer team, uh, if you're here on our prayer team today, if you'll just come up at this time. Jesus wants you to take your best self and he's like, put it on the cross and follow me. I don't know where you're at on your journey I don't know if you've even made the choice to even receive the free gift of salvation yet. Salvation in Jesus is a special relationship and it begins in the heart. And like any relationship, it takes a loyal commitment in our words and our actions. Friends, the one who redeems us also calls us into costly discipleship. When Jesus commands us to follow me, It is a gift, it's also a demand. This last trip to Israel there's a, there's a woman that I met there that has become just a sweet kinship of a friend to me, and her name's Rosalie, and she runs a coffee shop on the top of the Christian Information Center. And and this last time we were here, I brought some friends to meet her, and uh, she made us a beautiful lunch, and we were going in, and uh, there's nuns at the first floor when you enter, and she's like, these are my best friends. Um, and she's just the sweetest lady. And so I, I went up there, and I think she was handing me a coffee or something, and she saw my bracelet that I had on, And she said, oh, that's so pretty. What does it say? And I said, it says, he walks with me. And she said, oh, yes. You know you have to mean that in your heart, not just on your bracelet. And I said, yes, I do. But my bracelet is a really good reminder. And so uh, some time went on, and the last day I was there, I spent over three hours sitting on this rooftop patio um, working on this sermon. And I had full intentions to give her my bracelet. This is a different bracelet, same one, but another one. And my friend who makes jewelry was with me and she had an extra jewelry bag, so I shined it up. And I went to give it to her and she was so touched and she pulls it out of the jewelry bag and she reads it again and she said, oh, he walks with me. And she said, and I walk with him. And I thought she gets it. She gets it. Yes, he walks with us, but we have to make the choice to walk with him. He says, come, follow me. Let me tell you, friends, the power behind you is greater than the task ahead of you, and that gives me great joy, great joy. If you'll stand with us today in this moment, we're going to have a time of response. James James is going to sing, and I just want to encourage you today. Our altars are open You know, I was thinking about this, about, you know, uh, really all of us need to level up, right? No matter who we are, we never arrive until we meet Jesus, right? We never get it fully right. We all need to level up. And so I want to give you a chance today. If you just want to come forward and make a public declaration or talk with one of our uh, prayer partners here, just pray and ask the Lord to help you in that situation. Maybe you're here today and you've never received the gift, the free gift of eternal life. We can talk you and walk you through that and pray with you today. Maybe you just want to come up here and pray over nothing I've even talked about today. Our altars are open. Our prayer team is here. And this time is for you as we sing and worship and commit to level up and follow Jesus. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, forgive us for not loving you most thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross lord for your kindness that leads us to repentance your kindness that draws us nearer to you lord help us to do better help us to be better in everything that we do in your name we pray amen i'm going to read this benediction over you and then you'll be dismissed if you If you want to talk with somebody in private about uh, the gift of salvation or anything else, you can email us at hello at gracelandchurch.com, and one of our pastors uh, will be in touch with you. I'm going to read this benediction, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a great week, family. We love you very much.